With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Spring has sprung, and apparently that means all you filthy types who like to have bald downstair parts are now going to shave your knackers. Now, I think it's a bit wrong, this, right? Because if you are quite happy with pubic hair in the winter to keep your balls warm, I think it's a little bit hypocritical of you to turn around now and say, look at this, I've got a basted turkey ready for you but that's apparently what a lot of you do and if you're going to do it there's only really one product you can use to do that and that is of course manscaped and you'll get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped if you use the code rangers just go to manscaped.com they are as you know the best in their ball care bundle ball care bundle when i'm taking care of my balls i get told to take my hands out my trousers it's it's wrong, I tell you. But uh, it's, uh, it's got everything. The lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker, the ear and nose hair trimmer, and trust me, we do all need those. Uh, the crop preserver bald... Oh, Jesus Christ. The crop reviver... To- reviver? Toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. The lawnmower trimmer is an elite electric trimmer that provides a proprietary advanced skin-safe technology because nobody wants... God almighty, can you imagine getting a neck down there? Jesus, oh my God. Um, oh, and you, 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 really, you really couldn't go to your, you know, your work nurse and ask her to put a plaster on it. I mean, you, you get in trouble for that these days. But uh, it's waterproof and supplied with an LED light. So high technology perversion. I love all this stuff. But yes, go to manscaped.com and type in the code Rangers. You'll get 20% off and free shipping and you'll be walking about with testicles as fresh as a summer morn. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and as always I am your host and I'm delighted this week to be joined by the owner-operator of the wonderful Four Lads Had a Dream website, it's Stevie Clifford. 
Hi David, hi everyone, I hope that everyone is well on this kind of dreek Monday to be honest David, it's a bit miserable out there. It really is, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's that kind of shit time between spring and summer that we'll make endure for a few weeks, but luckily Rangers um, kept winning um, in the league, Rangers have been almost flawless since Michael Beale came in, just the, the two points dropped in 15, uh, I think, league matches, 43 out of 45, definitely league winning form in a normal season, but as we know, unfortunately, uh, our rivals are also matching that, but Stevie, let's get straight to the game then, um, away to Motherwell, after five minutes, I sent the tweet saying every bloody week, because it certainly does seem like every bloody week that Rangers concede the first goal. And that is now 27 out of the last, uh, or sorry, 25 out of the last 47 games, more than half. Now, big teams don't do that. Yes, great powers of recovery, absolutely. But eventually it catches up with you. We saw last season it caught up with us with silly draws that cost us any realistic shot at the title. Yeah, that's quite an extraordinary um, stat there, David. I didn't realise it was so high, but it's probably because we've become so accustomed to it now. Um, the thing is, when we went behind on, on Saturday, it didn't really bother me in the slightest. I know that probably sounds bad, but you just assume now that, that we will recover and we'll get back in front. And Well, we've had enough practice. <coughs> Excuse me, yeah, to be fair, the team have done really well to do that, but you're right, it... At some point, it is going to catch up with us. Um, I think we're seeing the real standard of the league at the moment is very, 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 very poor at this minute. So Rangers are, are destroying teams. You know, you think about four on Saturday, um, three at Tynecastle, four at Easter Road, three at Levy, four at Aberdeen. You know, they are playing well away from home and they are showing that recovery. We'd all like it to be a wee bit less, um, a wee bit less frantic and a wee bit less pulling at the old heartstrings. But um, Saturday again, you know, these moments, David, they don't really teach us anything we don't already know. I think that's that's fair. I think, you know, it just kind of reinforces where we are with this team and, and what Michael Beale needs to fix. You know, they at times they're a bit, they don't start games very well. They're not ruthless enough. You know, Michael Beale's spoken about it a lot. I think Saturday just kind of confirms where we are with that. Yeah, the goal itself, the opening Motherwell goal, I've seen us concede that goal so often that it drives me nuts, um, down the right-hand side, down the left, ball over the top of the full-back, cross, cross goal, striker runs to the back post for the tap-in, and when you lose the same goal over and over again, Stevie, then you need to look at two things. One, is it the type of player that you have, or two, is it a structural issue? And it is a constant with this Rangers team, and teams know if you deliver a good ball, Sean Gost, formerly, of course, of, of this parish, he puts... An excellent ball to the, the fullback. Not to, to feel old or anything, that's Alan Johnson's son that was putting that ball across there, which is just ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. He played well, actually. He looks a decent player. Um, and Van Veen taps it in at the back post. There are a couple of things I need to say. One, we need to be more aware that this is likely to happen, especially early in games. And the midfielders, I think, have got to go and cover for the fullbacks. If the fullback is pushing in, um, there was an interesting point raised in the commentary where they said Rangers had probably prepared for Motherwell playing two up front, which they usually do, and Yilmaz tucks in to you know, basically back up, but there weren't two strikers there. That creates the space and then they get... And the second one is Rangers centre-backs don't 
get there first very often. They don't get there and make the block that you see is a fairly standard thing that centre-halves do. Hellander was very good at it, and without him, I think we've struggled to deal with those balls back across the goal for the guy making the run at the back post. Yeah, I think there's a, a catalogue of errors there, David. We also don't press Sean Goss at all when that ball goes into the midfield. There's nobody near him. He's got five, ten um, yards around to, in order for him to lift his head and then ping that ball in. We don't we don't push up quick enough. There's a bit of indecision there, and the line's slightly ragged because Connor Goldson is actually deeper and, and plays him on side. And then, as you say, they don't defend that cross a, a, along the face of the goal. Now, I think it's the same. Like Connor Goldson's caught and. In, in two minds because he thinks at the time can I stick out a foot you see him kind of go and then he stops because he's thinking well I put this in again so it's actually a very good cross one which we should it have was. replicated yeah one which we should have replicated in the second half but we failed to do so so that'll be a talking point in a, in a minute or so I'm sure but you know we have you're, you're, you're bang on that goal happens so many times it's something that we do need to rectify um interesting when we're talking about and it's been in the press a lot lately because Michael Beale spoke about three at the back it'd be interesting to see if if that's a remedy to this kind of goal happening you know just purely by numbers in the middle would one of them be there to get a block on um so it's he may have already realized and target that I'm sure he has but we certainly need to stop conceding that as you said David it it was more or less a, a carbon copy it was it was funny logging into social media um and seeing the amount of people saying, oh, we've conceded that goal again and, and they're spot on, it's something that we really do need to fix. Yeah, it's like a, a, a film that you don't like that keeps popping up on the telly and you're forced to watch it. Uh, you know what's going to happen and you're not going to enjoy it. But uh, Rangers, as you say, are quite <laughs> used to, to dropping behind and they don't panic, to be fair. Although the first half, I'll be honest, Stevie, I thought we were rotten. Um, we couldn't get much going out of the midfield. And while... Obviously, the, the lack of Raskin in there meant that Lundstrom came in. It's a different type of midfield. It's not as forward-thinking. It's not as adventurous as we know. However, I'm going to cut them a wee bit of slack. Having watched the game back, there's nothing to hit. That first half, the Rangers' front three were abysmal. And nothing stuck. They weren't moving. And we actually had the, I thought, quite strange tactic of seeing Antonio Cholak wide right a lot with um, at Fashion Sakala going into the middle affair, but now I'm all for rotation, but I'm not sure I see anything in Cholak's game to suggest he can play in that position, and you know, cards on the table, all in for the time he was on the pitch, Cholak just had a nightmare, he had one of those days he couldn't do right for doing wrong, we'll come to the, the, the almost now infamous miss in the second half, but in terms of that first half there was just nothing happening passes weren't sticking, we weren't creative, the midfield then, because there's nothing to hit, they lapse into that thing that we know that they're capable of, which is, right, I'll just turn back all the time. I'll just keep turning back. And you saw that. And, and there was an incident in the first half that kind of summed up the difference of, for example, how we played at Easter Road. If you remember that second goal at Easter Road, um, Raskin wins the ball and immediately plays it forward and sets the cal off. Similar thing happens at the weekend. Lundstrom wins the ball and he immediately turns and plays it back. Now, I'm not having a go at him for that because that is his game. That's what he does. He's told, you win the ball and get it back and start an attack from deep. But it's just the difference between people who their first thought is to go forward and others when it's not their first thought. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think, David, I thought Ryan Jack had a really good game on Saturday. 
I thought Todd Cantwell was excellent on Saturday and I thought Lundstrom was fine. Um, I, I didn't think he did much wrong. He obviously plays a different game, like you said. His whole mindset is completely different. So we, we need to just kind of accept that's where he is. Whether or not that's good for us long term or whatever will be decisions for Michael Beale. But I wanted to highlight something else that happened on, on Saturday, David, as well, if you don't mind. It was when, you'll remember this, um, Ryan Kent got into a breaking position and we were 3v2. Mm. And he and he hits the hits the defender. That kind of sums up where that first half was on on Saturday. It was a type of game where, um, and dare I say this, that you know how much I really like him. I sat and wondered why I'm bothered so much that Ryan Kent might be leaving this club because he was absolutely atrocious. He had absolutely nothing around him, and you see the criticisms then coming through that you know he's he's not what people really expect of, of that level of, of kind of purchase seven million and stuff like that. So I was I was pretty fed up with the front three. Our crossing, Michael Beale highlighted this as well. Our crossing was absolutely awful as well. Um Yilmaz and Tav were, were overhitting. So there wasn't much going on. I think David, in terms of Cholak and his positioning, he seems to be he's definitely sort of switched around that front three. We used to be it used to be very rigid Certainly under Geo, it was left, middle, right, very wide. Now it sometimes is a two with Sakala and Cholak playing as a two. So that's why he's actually drifting out to the right and things like that. I can see that because Kent then operates a free roll behind it, but it just didn't work. We didn't get enough off any of them. Sakala had the type of game where, you know, he's the only man in that team, I said this on Saturday, who can go from worst player in the match to man of the match and back again all within five minutes. So... You know, we we know where we are with him, but he gets numbers. He he does contribute. So you can kind of say and put up with it. But when you have a performance as bad as Cholak did on Saturday, it raises so many questions. But I would agree with you on the Lundstrom thing um, and, and on the performance of the front men. I think those two kind of moments highlight just the difficulty we had. He obviously had a lot to say to them because if you look at the difference from the first to the second day, the XG and things in the second half, David, was incredibly high. So, yeah, um, it was a strange one. We're not, we're not normally like that in attack. To be fair, I don't think that's something that you can sit and say that they are that bad or, or that flat. But they certainly got an improvement in the second half. Um, Ryan Kent went on and had a really good game. But I agree with you. There was nothing happening in that first half, and even when we did manage to equalise, that still nothing kind of came after it. So, I think this is what. I said at the start, it just highlights that we really need to fix that forward line. That's that's probably the biggest thing on in the summer. When you look at the last 15 minutes, especially, David, how many chances did they create during that time? Other teams, and I don't want to mention them, would have got another two goals in there, and that's where we need to be. And because of the, the um, forward line we have, they don't quite have that. So... It's not taught us anything we didn't know, just maybe reconfirmed where we are. Yeah, I think that in terms of that, I've got this thing about this Rangers team that it seems to score when it needs to, mainly. And when that yeah, immediate pressure yeah, to do it comes off, like if they go a goal down or um, you know, it, it's it's 2-1, they might go and add a third, but once it's 3-1 and the game's done, they don't score. It's a strange thing and it's clearly a psychological thing. And on your point there, Stevie, about different systems and whatnot, you can have the best system in the world. If the players are playing the way they played the first half, it won't work. It doesn't matter. 
Um, but Tav gets us back into it. Great free kick. Now, a lot's been said about the Motherwell wall and Liam Kelly in the goal, and I think fairly, because I would expect my goalkeeper to save that. And the wall, I don't know what it's about. It's just, you know, it might as well have been outside having a pie because it, it didn't feature at all, didn't jump as one. Um, but even with all that said, for Tav to execute, those are difficult, those free kicks. You don't see them scored a lot because to get it up and down and whip it with enough pace to, to beat the keeper is very, very difficult. And I think sometimes we just under it. Oh, there's Tav with another goal. There's Tav with another free kick. But it was a, a, a really superb bit of skill to, to get that ball up, down and in, albeit that you would probably hope a top keeper would, would get his, well, he did get a hand to it, but would keep it out. First of all, I thought that Tav had a really good game on Saturday. I thought he was really solid. Um, and he deserved, I think he deserved his goal. You know, it reminded me, David, a wee bit of Fernando Rickson's, ironically, against Motherwell in the David Cooper Cup final. It was the same kind of dipped finish, although Fernando's was a wee bit further out. That was in the back of my mind. It was a very similar kind of goalkeeper dive and things. He should be doing better. But for Tav to get it up and down, like you said, and execute that was 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 really decent. Tav, in fairness to him, um, and, and not in defence of him, but I would say that he seems to have, in recent weeks, picked it up slightly. So, um, all for it. I thought he was he's definitely in the running for the, the man of the match. But then, you know, you, you'll get the argument that for our, for our second goal, he didn't defend it very well, which we'll come to, I'm sure. But I, I thought he was decent. And, um, you know, he, he certainly... A goal and assist and things. He said for me, David. I don't be interested to see what people think, but for me, he's, he's kind of picked it up lately. Based on what on our website, um, heart and hand on Patreon, that you tend to get the comments of people saying Tav again, Doug is out. You know, as you say, goal and a free uh, goal and an assist. Brilliant, always contributes, and you others going, yeah, but the the goal we concede, and he does that all the time. So I think opinions are just set now. They're not going to change. He's been here long enough people either love what he does I, I maintain that the argument is not so much about James Tavernier as about the changing role of a fullback and I think if you are uh, of an older generation uh, apologies to those of you who, who may feel you're unfairly put into that but I think you tend to still think of a fullback as defend first and see in all honesty in the modern game with the system that we play and that an attacking team plays, it's not. And defenders don't get judged on their defending first. They get judged on their attacking contribution. And I think that's just the big fundamental thing. And for younger people who've grown up with that, then they go, right, fair enough. Now, the best fullbacks in the world can do both. Absolutely. Um, clearly. But there are other guys who are, you know, super. It's not just us. Trent Alexander-Arnold's another one. But you know, obviously at a higher level that, that people say the same things. Brilliant going forward, can't defend. Uh, I think Tav is slightly better defender than him. But yeah, anyway, moving on then in the second half. And again, Stevie, that halftime reset that you know this team seems to need um quite often and instantly. And I mean instantly, Rangers come out and grab this game, play at pace, move the ball quickly do all the things they weren't doing the second half, rewarded with a goal instantly, absolutely wonderful ball from James Tavernier, and there, as you say, Sakala gets on the end of it with a header um, that that flies past the goalkeeper. Again, we've just talked about, you know, things that, that certain players can and can't do, but 
Sakala does get in the end of things and he does get you goals and assists. Yeah, he does. And funnily, um, for somebody who frustrates us as much, his positioning actually in and around the box is very good. He always seems to be there. He's got good numbers. Under when he Michael remembers Beale. there's this thing called offside. Yeah. Um, uh, listen, it's, it's fair to say that we, we I've said, certainly since he's come in, that he's a rough diamond that you that we can maybe polish. I don't think you can polish Sakala. I think he is what he is. And and that's somebody that contributes a, you know, a, a lot. He's, he, do we want him to be first choice? I don't think we do. But do we want him to be in and around the squad? Yes. I think that's fair. He's... he's He's an option. He's somebody that causes issues. It was a very unorthodox header as well, David. It really was. I'm still not sure what bit of it might have hit. (laughs) Only he could do that. You know, he's kind of not even facing the right way, I don't think. But it's a lovely header. And it's a magnificent cross. Look, one touch, pace, whipped, glorious kind of header, uh, glorious height for a header. Everything about it was perfect. It It was absolutely fantastic. And you think at that moment in time, you think, you know, two, one up, great time to score. Let's go and um, be comfortable, but the you know the scenario of events that happened are, are very Rangers, David. So this is this is where we are with this team. It's not surprising. It's frustrating, but you know it's not surprising. That was a it was a really good goal, great cross, unorthodox but cracking finish by fashion. You know, and we're up and running again at two one, and we should at that point be comfortable. But we know what happens next. We do. Um, people will know if they've listened to this show for, for any length of time that I've got this thing about unnecessarily conceded corners. I think It's really- the first thing I thought of, David. I could almost hear you say it in my head because we've yeah, had this, this discussion a lot and you're bang on. Stevie, as soon as I saw Lundstrom nod the ball out, getting a fan call with McGregor, I was like, they're going to score from this. And when it was initially headed away, I went, oh, good. But then it wasn't headed away, as we've mentioned. Tav heads it up the way and then comes a collective brain fart among six or seven players who all stand and watch the ball and they watch it drop and they get their bodies in the right place and then they all stand there and Bevis Mugabe thinks hold on a minute they're all just standing watching that and the ball's on the ground at this point Cholak is shielding it not doing anything with it, and Mugabe comes, sticks his foot in for the scruffiest, ugliest, stupidest goal you'll ever see conceded, and it's 2-2, and I think, as you say, the first half, we were going to have seen that goal a, a thousand times. This is the type of goal you just want to knock heads together about afterwards. It's a shanner, and I mean, Joe likes just having a horrendous day. Um, we're going to come to to the other part of that today. Um, I think you've got to know your teammates, right? and he's been here long enough. Al McGregor ain't coming and getting that. Yeah, we know it. All the fans listening know it. It's He doesn't do it. He doesn't come. He should come and deal with the first cross, actually. Um, but he doesn't do that. We know that. So in that situation, just get rid of it. And I think that's is symptomatic sometimes of Rangers that we overplay, and we overplay up front, as we know. That's the, the thing that's commonly referred to. But in that instance, it's, again, coming from a good place. We want to retain the ball. We want to retain the ball and then go on the attack, but just deal with it. I, I know it sounds really basic and I redu- just deal with it. If it's there in your six yard box, a place of maximum danger, then just get rid of it. Just somebody go in and say, I'm whacking that out for a throw. And instead, everybody dithers. And oh my God, it was, you know, it was one of those goals that you're just away to head but a wall because it was so frustrating. 
Yeah, um, I, there was a catalogue of errors there, David. There's not much I can add. It's just, you're right, frustration is the word because it's so basically simple. And having got yourself ahead, we should be comfortable. And then the funny thing is, when he came on, there was a little voice in my head that said, oh, he's a bit of a danger from, from crosses. But to give him that opportunity, you know, you're right. I mean, first of all, to give away the corner and then McGregor doesn't come, we know that standard. Tav doesn't defend it that well, although that can happen. So you expect, excuse me, that we deal with the second ball or we, you know, we then go and go and fix that. We don't. And the whole shielding of it, you can see by, it's not only us, David, you can see by the, the response of the players, you know, Lundstrom, Tavernier, they're all head in hands. Just put that out for a corner, regroup. We haven't defended it well, but we've survived, then defend it properly and go from there. But you're right about Cholak, you know, everything that he could have done wrong on Saturday, he did wrong. And that was just a complete mess, unfortunately. A real nightmare of a goal to concede. Yep, and moving on to Rangers' response, which was good, um, almost instant. Now, something that I wanted to discuss with you, Stephen, was the first goal in the game, the Motherwell goal. There was a, a hint of offside, and initially looking at it, I thought, yeah, he's off. But the lines are drawn, and he isn't off. And the lines that we are showing look a bit odd. They don't seem to correspond with the way that the grass is cut. Moving into the Rangers' third goal, uh, again, when I just saw it naked eye, Sakala, I thought, mm, I think he's off. Uh, again, we are not at the perfect angle for it. And it, it, I'll be honest, if both goals had been disallowed, I wouldn't have had a, a problem. I wouldn't have complained. Um, I thought both of them looked probably slightly off. But in terms of these lines and you know VAR, I kind of suppose you need to trust it because otherwise, where where are we? Where does it go? Um, But it is, I think we could do with a wee bit more explanation as to just how that side of it, the technical side of it, where it isn't supposed to be about human error or decisions rather from an official. It's supposed to be, no, we literally just do this. This is the process and that's what it says and that's what we go with. I think a wee bit of explanation from because you would get that in England, you'd get the 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 uh, PGMOL would come out and say this is what happened, this is what we did, and I think we could do with that in this instance here because it, it leads to a dubiety which isn't good for the game because as we know in Scotland any sort of dubiety you've got bad faith actors who will try and make capital out of it. Yeah, I think I don't think we're helped by the angle, David, of the camera, so it's off first of all. I think the other thing that happens is as well, people think the line's just taken from the line. The line is actually taken from the goal line. So it moves up as a block. And I'm not meaning to sound funny when I say this, but they shade all the bit of the pitch that they're not playing in and that line becomes on the last man. And the line is as straight as the goal line is. So hopefully that provides a wee bit of, of clarity that's what they've said in England. That's what we do here. So, example, when you look at, for example, when you look at that line, you'll see all the, the kind of greyed out, darkened area behind it because they take the line from the goal line. That's how they do it. So, 
that goal line should be as straight as the halfway line and the other goal line, for example, if the, the camber on the pitch and everything else is proper. Now, it looked off. It absolutely did look off. But then, so did Fashion Sakala's. Now, when you see, there's a Motherwell YouTuber that's done the 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 game and he's actually filmed our um our third goal and Fashion Sakala looks on. Now, he's at that side almost online and he looks, Sakala's run looks really decent. So I wasn't as upset as other people seem to be by VAR on um, Saturday, but I would like to pull up another couple of incidents which I thought got completely missed. In their equaliser, David Mugabe, when the ball comes down, it lands on his arm. His arm's out and um, he's actually got it in front of him on top of somebody. It hits him straight in the arm. Now, law states, even if it's accidental, if it leads to a goal, then it should be called back. I'm amazed that we didn't see that. Then thirdly, after um, after we went 4-2 up, Scott Arfield came on. He had a shot, which Beavis Mugabe, I've watched it again. It's, it's, nobody even highlights it. I know we did on our chat, but there was a he puts his arms up and almost catches the ball. It's a two-handed block, and, and it's not picked up. It's not looked at. So it's these kind of inconsistencies for me that are bigger than the offsides. I know it's easier for me to say because maybe I've got more trust in it than I should, but that's not the... The offside doesn't bother me in the slightest. They, they were both on, both very marginal and tight. Different angles look different. It is what it is. What we really need is like a zoo, like a, you know, one of the cameras in the sky like they have in Arsenal where they have the big zip wires and stuff going across and you can look right from the line, because that's the camera follows the ball, basically. We need something like that, but you're never going to get that because of the, the, the stadiums in Scotland and the money it costs, but that would probably have cleared it up conclusively. So we don't have that. Um, the best way to describe it is, is the way I did about with the lines from the, the goal line and things. So it, it, they shoot, if it's given like that, they both are on. We just need to take it as being on. I was a little bit disappointed, but not surprised at the coverage. Whatever goal seemed to be, you know, seemed to cause all manners of, of discussion, whereas Motherwell's not so much. And, you know, the second goal from Motherwell not highlighted at all. So these are wee things that we're used to as Rangers, you know, our things get highlighted more. But I wasn't I wasn't as I wasn't as affected as others seem to be, that's for sure, by the, the, the VAR offsides, David. It is what it is. I'm like you, see if they'd both have been off fine. It wasn't really, you know, it was it's marginal. These are the ones that, that are extremely tight. It doesn't happen that often where you get two in a game so close to that. But I don't have an issue with VAR and, and how they've come to that conclusion, to be fair. Um, the reason that VAR's a talking point, let's be honest, in the last four weeks, Celtic have had two VAR penalties um, given against them and they've had two penalties that they've been wrongly awarded, rescinded. And anybody in Scottish football who wasn't a Celtic supporter or worked in the mainstream media could tell you there's only one side who are really going to suffer from VAR's introduction and that's Celtic because they get loads and loads of marginal decisions. Anything that can be given in their favour is because of the pressure they put on referees. So therefore, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be a situation where ones that they're used to getting and then they never consider Again, because there's something within the Celtic mind that they can remember every single... If they didn't get a throw-in, they were due. They'll remember it for 40 years. But if they get any sort of marginal decision, then it's instantly forgotten about. 
And that was exactly what was going to happen. And that's why you're getting noise about it, because it's giving correct decisions against them, and they don't like that. Um, moving on then to the finish, I actually thought Todd Cantwell did tremendously well here, Stevie, because a few shots of, you know, when you're into that chaos situation, people having a swing at it, goalies diving about, guys on the line, etc., uh, your own players, he's got the presence of mind to control it, look up and put it high into the, the roof of the net where it can't be stopped. And I thought it capped off a, a man of the match display from Todd Cantwell. Yeah, it did. Really like him, David. He's playing a role that I didn't think he, I didn't think he would. I thought he would come and be more as a number ten. But this deep lying almost midfielder, that energy in there, um, the the legs, the running, and um, the pressure that he puts on attackers and stuff is everything that we missed between him and Raskin and Jack. That seems to be a really good kind of formula that we stumbled upon. Now it wasn't that on Saturday, we know that. But I still thought he was very, very good in there um, with Ryan Jack. That goal was, do you know, I talked about this actually last night to one of my colleagues that you're spot on in what you said because Kent gets one block, Cholak's an instinctive kind of toe poke at it, which is a fair save. Tav then just leathers it, but he knows he almost gets under and scoops it right into the roof of net. It's actually a lovely mm. finish. What did them on VAR when Sky told us that they were looking at a potential handball in the build up to this? There was no, it wasn't even close to anyone. So that was kind of amusing to me as well, that that, that was apparently getting checked after they had okayed the offside. So that was a wee bit bizarre. But, you know, full credit to the to the team. Um, Ryan Kent picked it up at that moment, delivers a, you know, a spot-on pass. It was similar, actually, um, to the line that Calvin Bassey held for the, the, the semi-final last year. Very similar kind of style to that one. It goes across, blocked, keep it going. But Cantwell... He surprised me, David, not by not by what he brought as such, but he surprised me by the positioning and um, his um, combativeness. I think that's he's got a little bit of an edge that I like. I really do like it. He's got a wee bit of um, of that side to him that that's really appealing. He'll try and dominate games. He tries to dominate the ball. He sets a tempo. His passing range is excellent. That half volley he played on on Saturday and the through ball to Cholak. Again, just two moments of, of how really good he is in the ball. But I like him. Big fan of his. He's a really nice lad as well from our dealings that we've had with him. And um, I think he'll settle in. I think he's going to get better for us as well. Yeah, I do too. He's got a confidence about him that I like. Um, mentioned before, I think you need to, but to be a Rangers player. And he does have it. Guys who revel under the pressure at a club like ours. They're the guys you want. Um, and then we do add a fourth in it. It was an interesting goal, and I do want to, to have a wee chat about it. First of all, a couple of substitutions. Poor Antonio Cholak. Uh, intelligent run, gets found in the middle is Fashion Sakala in acres of space, as you say, just a wee cross, and it's a goal, but he, he can't make up his mind at that point. And I get it, strikers' natural instinct is to shoot, but because he delays, he doesn't cross and he doesn't shoot, um, it then runs too far. He then panics a little bit and has a shot, which is woeful. Um, and it just summed up his day. He just players know they're having a a howler, Stevie. Players know, and I think Cholak that to me, normal circumstances, he either looks up, plays the pass straight away, or he just has the crack at goal and it goes in or it doesn't. But I think it was that what will I do, what will I do? Because he's over. He knows he's playing badly and he overthinks it. Tapped all of us, even just playing at fives. 
Yeah, I think you've summed it up really well there. He does overthink it because you see the point where he originally goes to strike it, then stops, dallies, it goes too far, and then having already looked across and having already waited too long to shoot, he just slices and, and, and thrashes at it. He didn't have a good day, we know that. He was involved heavily for the second goal. That moment's probably just as bad. At 2-1, David, if he squares that across, it's 3-1 after 50 minutes and it's dead in the water. Or you would certainly hope it would be, but under this team, you know, you never know. But um, it, it's just a poor day. He, he's actually been done pretty badly. On social media, the pictures aren't great. They look really bad. If he rolls that across, it's an easy tap in. Fashion's onside, David, for once, as well, mm-hmm. in the back post. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tailor-made from there. He just had a bad day. And the problem that he's got is that he came in and done so, so well against Kilmarnock, and then he done so well against... Hibs at Easter Road, you're thinking, right, fine, he's going to go on a run. Didn't play well against Wraith, has had an absolute nightmare on 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 Saturday, and now Alfredo's got two weeks, and in that two weeks he needs to get sharp, he needs to try and, you know, um, get a wee bit more up to speed in, in what he, in what Michael Beale wants from him. And then he'll he'll get the jersey again. So, and it's probably an important time coming up if you think about the games that we've got, and you know it's a it's a really big chance all of a sudden for Alfredo again, last chance saloon perhaps. But if he wants to do something, if he wants his move or he wants to stay here or whatever, he's going to get that jersey back because I don't think you can survive that level of performance. No, because uh, Alfie did look sharp when he came on. He's missed a few chances. Um, one people were picking on him, I thought was unlucky, which is the one the keeper drops. He's not got time to react. If he's a foot further back, I think he does, but it, it hits him. And I don't think there's a lot he could have done there. The header, the second header, I should score that. But his assist is actually brilliant because it's not an easy pass to, to A spot or B pull off. And I think in modern football in general, players get to that area and they just put it in an area, um, which is a pet hate of mine. They they just put it in an area and they say to players, well, you should have been there. Um, he doesn't do that. He looks up and he picks out Tillman and then it's just glorious from him smashing into the roof of the net and boom, we're away. Um, yeah, it was an interesting cameo from Alfie. He came on and, you know, for example, he came on against Hibs and he looked awful, but he... <laughs> He's such a complicated character. You just you can never ever know what you're gonna get. Um, there's times you go right, that's me done with him, and he pops up again, and you go, well, you know, uh, again, you know, we say a hundred thousand times, Alfie playing well plays in most teams. It's when he's not playing well um, that that you have an issue. One thing that is clear moving forward, Stevie, next season is there needs to be changes to our front position because I don't think Cholak's a title winning number nine for Rangers, a contributor, yes. But but not the main guy. Roof can't trust to be fit. That simple. Just can't. Um, and then Alfie, by the looks of things, will be moving on anyway. So it's a for me, it's a, a prime position next season. We need one definitely bank, probably two, to come in to that number nine role and be challenging for it. Agree. If Alfie stays, we still need probably a first choice nine. And if he goes, you need two of them in there to to maybe a nine and a ten depending on what happens with Kent as well. If we're now considering that Kent's more of a forward in that position, you're going to need to replace both of them. So you need to replace them with numbers, David. Guys that get the third and the fourth goals that we don't 
we don't really have, and that sounds weird because we, we we have them. So try and quantify that a bit better. When we go to kill off teams, like you said, when we need to score, we score. But those ones where we could score and we don't, you know, though that last ten minutes, maybe what four or five chances. That's oh, the guys that we, yeah, that's the guys that we need to get to take those chances that will kill teams off completely and and start burying teams away that we probably think we should be. So, yeah, there's a wee bit of work there to be done. But Alfie, credit to him, it's a lovely assist. He actually does what Cholak should have done. He realises he's gone too wide, doesn't pull the trigger, takes a touch, looks up and rolls it. The pace on it is actually great because Tillman just moves it to the side and then he leathers it. A lovely, lovely finish. That boy, you know, we've done to death on him as well. So, you know, he had a great wee cameo. Yeah, it'd be interesting, you know, David, don't play him in the middle three, play him in you know, behind that front two, the way that he's been doing recently, maybe move Kent up front, wet next to Alfie and, and have Tillman in behind them or, or Kent with Sakala or Sakala and Alfie, you know, there's there's a number of things that you could do. Um, but Tillman in front of the three, not in the three, I don't think that suits him. I think Michael Beale's tried it, I don't think it does, but him in there pressing, picking up positions, boy can shoot, we know that, he can dribble, he can run, Play him in there, and I'd be I'd be really interested. Not so not as a a nine, but as a an orthodox kind of ten floating about in there. I think he might do really well. And if you stick Kent or or Sakala or whoever it is in front of him with legs and making runs for him, I think he'll do well. So interested to see that. I think that midfield three, David, for me, Cantwell, Jack, and Raskin is settled, and I would like to see more of that. I think that's got the legs and the presence. So we've no, I'm not going to say we've stumbled onto that, but we've 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 came onto that. Um, you know, credit to Michael Beale. Perhaps he knew that Cantwell was destined for that position. I wasn't sure, but that's that's a fit for me, and it and it and it looks and it's, it's worked really well. And then one last wee bit of uh, controversy, because Rangers aren't allowed to win a game without there being controversy, and that is the red card for Slattery. He's on a booking for that shocking tackle on the first half on uh, John Lundstrom. I didn't think it was a red, but we talk about orange cards sometimes, Stevie, where you think, well, that's a bit more than a yellow, but probably not enough for a red. I think that one definitely fit that criteria. And then... Uh, I thought he was lucky to not be on a booking for one before that anyway. But uh, in the second half, he's holding the ball from Todd Cantwell. Arm comes round, hits Cantwell in the face. Cantwell goes down, referee, second yellow, and he's off now. Again, VAR doesn't get involved in second yellows. You are a qualified referee. You ref multiple games a week. What was your thought on that yellow card? Spot on. I don't really know what the controversy is about. Um it's a clear decision. You swing your arm like that, you make contact. doesn't matter if it's a tap or whatever it is. You make contact like that, you're off the pitch. Now, interesting to see everybody up in arms about Alfredo Morelos getting sent off at Hibs. He swung his arm. It doesn't matter the, the power, it's the intent, everything else. Well, the intent's the exact same one. On Saturday, is it a red? No, it's a yellow. It's clear. You know, you want further proof of that. Dermot Gallagher said this morning on Sky, it's quite clear. So... There's only controversy, David, because people want to make it controversial, but there's nothing there at all. It's a clear yellow second. If one of our players had done that, Lundstrom or whatever, we'd be saying they were stupid. That's the difference between we criticise and go after our own or look at our own failings rather than anything else. It's a clear yellow card. The fact that his second one is only down to his own stupidity, it's not even a talking point for me. 
Nah, fair dues, fair dues. And uh, yes, Rangers go on and now go into the international break. Uh, two weeks uh, of, well, I was guessing peace and quiet, but it's Rangers, let's face it, there, there never is. Before the game at the weekend, Stevie, there was uh, a protest with banners held up about Ross Wilson and Stuart Robertson. Seemed to be all very um, good-tempered. My my take on protests is that if you are going to do a protest, that's how you do it. Um, they were then it didn't affect the team in any way. They're there to back the team. Ninety minutes, you get your point across. Uh, I think those are the type of protest Rangers fans can get on board with, as opposed to maybe uh, you know we we went through all the stuff last week with the the banner about the cops and all the rest of it. So I think that if you're going to do it, for me, that's that's how you do it. You make your point and then you get behind the team. Yeah, listen, I um, I completely back the um, right to protest when it's like that, David. Um, they're entitled to their opinion. They go to the games. They're there every week. They can they can express it how they see fit. It didn't impact on the game or it didn't impact on the on the team. You know, you could you could bend it and say, well, maybe we didn't start well because their heads were elsewhere where they shouldn't be because they're professionals. Nah, nah I don't. As soon yeah, as the game know, starts, no, but it's been said. But as soon as the game starts, well, you know, they're like that um, every week, whether there's a protest or not, nah, I don't think it holds water. No, you're bang on. But as soon as the game starts, they're behind the team and everything else. So I am. Um, you know, I've I've read and, and listened to Andy McGowan a wee bit, David, and I've listened to you discuss this a couple of weeks ago on um, the great flagship that you boys do, and I'm I'm pretty much where you are. I'm very much aligned with Andy when we talk about the investors, um, and and being careful and being respectful for what they've done for the club. It doesn't mean that I think they've got everything bang on. I don't. I've been vocal and I've written about it, so I'm more inclined to think that the people they put in charge, i.e., your your Ross Wilsons, etc., are the ones that need to be more accountable. It's the silence for me, David. It's the, the lack of correspondence. It's the lack of dialogue with the support. That's the real bugbear for me. Even this week, we've had the, the situation with the old firm and there's going to be no away fans anywhere. Rangers haven't spoken about that. There's been no dialogue with the fans. We find out third hand. And that is the kind of thing. I don't expect them to wade out every 10 minutes, but unfortunately with Rangers, you need to... You need to be present. You need to be accountable. You need to use your um your channels of 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 kind of conversation with the fans and that, and they aren't doing it. We spoke about this um last year, and after kind of pressurising a wee bit, they came out and they spoke in September. They they haven't done it since. That was six seven months ago. They have before that they didn't speak before for Australia. So we're the best part of a year, and we've heard from them once really. We don't hear from the chairman, which is fine, so it falls on the next person, which is your managing director. We don't hear from Stuart Robertson at all. We don't, you know, Ross Wilson's very good at being there when things are going well, but there's so much going wrong with the club. Um, little bits, David. I don't think there's massive issues, and that may sound silly, but when you get 10 little things, they all become big things because it's a frustration, and I think that's entirely where we are at the moment. I've been quite consistent with that, you know, um, I'm not one of the ones that want the board out or want them blah, 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 but I would like some change in how we behave and, and how we correspond and how we deal with the support. I genuinely think if they were more open and more accountable for things that have happened, then you know we, would, we wouldn't be sitting here like this at this very moment in time. Now, that's only my opinion. I also think with the, the ones that are being targeted at the moment, 
that they're probably getting the, the brunt of it, but that it's justified because there's been so many bad decisions. Ross Wilson, you know, the football department that he's in control of, there's so many issues there as well. So I don't have... I'm not on their side, David, with regards to the protest. I'm quite... I'm not happy for it to happen because I would rather it didn't, but I reserve the... I, I think the fans reserve the right to have their say. So I don't disagree with it at all. Um, I'm where Andy is with the investors, absolutely. I'm where you are with Ross Wilson a couple of weeks ago. So I think that justifies, uh, not justifies it, I think that sums up exactly where I am. I'm not going to say, you know, well done and great. I like to see it because I don't, because it's a protest and it's not good for the club. But I do think it was well done. And um, I, as I said, I do defend their right to have that say and good on them for going to that length. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I've mentioned this before, I think that the only time, as you say, that we've heard from Ross Wilson was at the AGM, where he was very defensive and didn't, you know, he, he may well have felt justified, but it didn't leave a good impression. What Rangers fans need to hear is, look, we get it, you know, we we clearly we've made decisions in the past that haven't worked. We accept that, and we know that being second, we can't be happy, because that's not where Rangers should be. So we're working, you know, we we brought in Cantwell, Raskin, etc. We brought in Michael Beale because we want to get better. We're going to work very hard this summer to get things right. Just give us something like that. I think coming out and basically saying everything's great, remember where we were, which was sort of what they did in December. And then, as you say, going silence and that. Rangers fans are bored of vacuum. And if there's a space, they'll fill it. And that's what's happening. And to be honest... I can't blame them if that's the situation. If they're not going to put their case forward, don't be surprised when other people fill that space and that's what's happening. Right, thank you so much to everyone for joining us. I'd like to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. I'd like to thank Stevie for joining us today. You can get all of his writings over on the Fabulous Four Lads Had a Dream website. Stevie, thank you. I appreciate that, David. Also, thanks for doing my plug now. You don't even ask me anymore. You just do it yourself. No, you're rotten at that. I really, yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate that. I hope everybody's enjoyed the show. Um, enjoy the couple of weeks break. Well done mm. to the team as well on good form. I don't think we say that enough. They have been in cracking form, and, and it was a good result on Saturday. You know, we picked the bones out of it, and there's highs and lows, but they have been doing well recently. So enjoyed speaking about it, David. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and thanks for having me on, buddy. I appreciate it. Exactly, they're winning, and trust me, I'd far rather they were winning than not winning. Right, folks, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, as Stevie says, enjoy the break. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.